welcome to the final podcast episode of Unveiling Rock Physics, a journey from petrophysics to rock physics and beyond, Rocking Reservoir Waves lecture series. If you've been following our journey so far, our reservoir expert Akash Mathur has shared his insights on rock physics, embark on the adventure through seismic petrophysics, discovering how these interconnected disciplines unveil the mysteries beneath the Earth's surface. Let's kick things off with a question that sets the stage. What exactly is rock physics and how does it fit seamlessly into the integrated workflow we've been discussing? And what's the scope on these rock physics models that we're about to uncover? So rock physics in a very simple language is an integrated discipline that relates and delivers petrophysical and rock properties from elastic inputs. These elastic inputs could be density, p-sonic, shear sonic, or its transforms like p-impedance, pp by vs, etc. So rock physics is required to integrate the data measured by different instruments at different scales and frequencies. So different data that could integrate are the logs, core, seismic, borehole, and seismic velocities. So rock physics models, and here we are talking about isotropic rock physics modeling in general, is that it would fall broadly under two uh, categories. The first is empirical and the second is theoretical. So as the name suggests, empirical models are based on observations that are based on the local data without uh, incorporating most of the reservoir or rock characteristics. For example, the pore shapes or the grain contacts uh, that are basically caused by the digenetic and depositional variations. Some of the popular empirical models that we may have heard are Gardner and Greenberg-Castania, whereas theoretical rock physics models are based on descriptions, uh, which are in general based on the concepts of rock structures. So models are based on physical principles these models incorporate reservoir or rock architecture uh, that could be the pore shape or the grain contacts, which are usually caused by the digenetic and depositional variations. So these models are important, especially for understanding rock property variations away from the wells. Some of the popular theoretical models include uh, Zwite, a self-consistent model, consolidated, uh, unconsolidated and cemented uh, sand models. Having established a foundational understanding of rock physics models, the question arises, could you explain the steps that we should take to embark on an effective and efficient rock physics modeling workflow that yields optimal results? Sure. So let me break down this workflow in a series of steps. So the first step for rock physics modeling exercise involves computation of density and bulk modulus of the fluids in the rock. This requires good idea about the type of fluid and hydrocarbon in the, in the rocks, as well as parameters governing their properties like the pressure, temperature, gas-oil ratio, gas-gravity, oil API, brine salinity, etc. Remember to incorporate these fluid properties into the petrophysical model, which we discussed previously in our seismic petrophysics workflow. 
this fluid properties computation uh, is done via rock physics fluid models like the fluid models from uh, fluid consortium uh, Badzel and Wong and Hannan Badzel equations once individual fluid properties have been computed hydrocarbon and brine can be mixed via Brie or Wood's equation Brie equation is used for patchy fluid distribution whereas Wood's is used for homogeneous fluid distribution now the second step involves the input of the petrophysical volumes into the rock physics model that is uh, mineral and the fluid volumes obtained from the seismic petrophysics methodology so once the seismic petrophysical volumes have been added the third step involves computation of the dry frame of the rock as we discussed previously the rocks frame is composed of the rocks matrix as well as the arrangement of the pore shapes and the uh, grain shapes so this requires a selection of a most suitable rock physics model so whether we go for an inclusion or the contact model for this process we need to perform rock physics diagnostic exercise because via rock physics diagnostics we can have more understanding of how the rocks architecture parameters are going to impact our elastic properties an example of this would be the aspect ratios for the inclusion model and similarly grain contact parameters like grain angularity coordination number cementation type and their volumes for contact models more details could be found in literature for both of these uh, models as these are very popular in the industry the fourth step is about combining the mineral volumes from petrophysical volumes and rock architecture parameters we next generate a dry frame of a rock in the next step we add fluids into the pore spaces of this dry frame using gasman fluid substitution and the final step involves checking or cusing the rock physics model logs with the measured good quality elastic logs once a good match with the measured elastic logs have been achieved we close the petrophysics rock physics loop else we go back and iterate on the petrophysical volumes or the rock physics model parameters itself after this petrophysics and rock physics loop is closed the final uh, closure of the entire petrophysics rock physics and seismic validation happens when we perform the seismic validation via seismic well ties, AVUs, and inversion QCs. So at this step, once everything is good, uh, we get a consistent set of petrophysical volumes, rock physics model elastic logs, and it's validated by seismic. Our integrated petrophysics and rock physics modeling workflow is completed. At step three, you talk about computing dry frame properties of the rock and mention choosing between inclusion and contact models. Could you elaborate on the rock physics diagnostic exercise and its role in this decision-making process? Sure. So whenever we are trying to build a rock physics model or making a selection of the most suitable rock physics model based on our data, we have to understand the different porosity velocity trends uh, from the entire data that we have and we have to understand the reasoning behind those separate trends in the data 
whether it is because of uh, the variations in the depth intervals or whether the differences is because of the difference in the depositional sequences. So this process is called rock physics diagnostics. And rock physics diagnostics is typically conducted on the well log data or core data. It allows one to describe uh, or understand the texture of the rock, that is the position of uh, diagenetic cement, grain size sorting, effect of clays, etc. The texture description in turn can be linked to the depositional and stratigraphic features of the subsurfaces. So rock physics diagnostic becomes an important element uh, before even starting the rock physics modeling exercise or selecting the rock physics model. It gives us a broader understanding when we try to relate it to the geology and understand the diagenetic and depositional trends uh, from our data. In the next step, you talk about infusing fluid into the pore spaces of the dry rock frame through Gassman fluid substitution. Could you elaborate how it contributes to the final results? In here, we are talking about uh, isotropic rock physics modeling, and uh, we have to understand that uh, multi-phase mixtures exist right, uh, in a rock since reservoirs would usually have uh, substantial brine saturations as well. Now, Gassman's equations relates uh, the saturated bulk modulus of the rock to the porosity of the rock, the bulk modulus of the uh, dry rock frame or the porous rock frame, uh, the bulk modulus of the mineral matrix and the bulk modulus of the pore, fluid, uh, pore filling fluid itself. So Gassman equation relates all those things together. So first the dry rock frame is generated as we discussed previously, where we have the rocks matrix, uh, the minerals are there, we add the spatial arrangement of grains and the pore shapes. So once the porous rock frame has been properly determined, the rock is then saturated with pore fluid and a new effective bulk moduli and density are calculated using these saturated bulk and shear modulus, the final velocities of the saturated rock is generated. So in conclusion for Gassman substitution, um, it's important that we properly estimate the porous dry frame and then we insert the pore fluids into that empty pores and then finally use the Gassman equation to generate the final velocities of this saturated rock. As we approach the final steps, you mentioned comparing the rock physics model locks with well-measured elastic locks. Could you explain the process of checking these locks for alignment and what happens if there's a match or if further adjustments are needed? Sure. So the rock physics model logs need to be QC'd and checked against the, the good quality elastic logs, uh, which would mean that whenever we are performing any QCs we sh uh, with the measured data, we should always remember that we, we have or we are comparing it with only the elastic logs in the, in the good interval and not in sections like washouts or cycle skips. Right. So we use log plots and several cross plot techniques to validate the results. That is 
to understand if we are able to explain the recorded data uh, with our rock physics model logs. We overlay the rock physics model logs on the recorded data and try to see how good or bad our match is with the recorded data. So one of such cross plots would be the P impedance and VP by VS cross plot. We could also create correlation cross plots between the model and the recorded data. If we see mismatch in the data between the model and the recorded data, we should turn back to our petrophysical volumes and understand if we have properly modeled each of the minerals and optimally estimated them. And then we may require to reiterate these volumes. Another reason could be the rock physics model parameter itself. So we should simultaneously check if the rock physics parameters are optimal based on the petrophysical volumes we have generated. This step between the petrophysics and rock physics needs to be performed in iteration until we can explain the measurements, that is the density and the sonic data, and try to see if we are able to explain this recorded data uh, using the rock physics uh, modeled logs. Okay. Ultimately, at the last juncture, you spoke about sealing the loop by seismic validation through well ties, AVO, and inversion QCs. Could you provide insights into how this validation process works and why it's crucial to bring everything full circle? Sure. Seismic validation is important QC to check for the validity of the rock physics model logs. Since the seismic sees contrast and in-situ fluid properties, that is, it sees the bell before it was drilled. Rock physics model logs should match the seismic response in terms of seismic signatures and amplitudes. Synthetics from rock physics logs should match the seismic. Well ties, AVU, and inversion results should validate the rock physics model logs. And that is why seismic is very important when we are trying to validate the rock physics model logs. If the logs and the seismic are telling the same story, then it is good. And it also helps us in understanding of the data and the geology away from the wells too. Thank you, Akash, for enriching our podcast with your knowledge and valuable insights for our listeners. And with that, we've reached the conclusion of the Unveiling Rock Physics, a journey from petrophysics to rock physics and beyond, Rocking Reservoir Waves lecture series where we've explored an intricate world of rock physics models and their seamless integration into the petrophysics workflow. As we wrap up, let's take a moment to recap some of the key insights we've discussed today and how they connect with the broader theme of our podcast episodes. Our journey began by uncovering the essence of rock physics, understanding its pivotal role in linking petrophysical and rock properties through the lens of elastic inputs. We then embarked on the realm of seismic metrophysics, revealing the steps that decode the intricate language of seismic waves, aiding us in unveiling the concealed mysteries beneath the earth. In today's episode, 
we focused on rock physics models, exposing their construction and the vital role they play in bridging the gap between raw data and genuine understanding. From calculating fluid properties and incorporating them into petrophysical models, to navigating the rock physics diagnostic exercise and conducting seismic validation, we journeyed through the intricate path that defines an optimal rock physics modeling workflow. If you have questions, ideas, or topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes, please feel free to connect with us through our website or social media platforms. Thank you again for tuning with us on this enlightening expedition into the realm of rock physics and its dynamic models. Keep nurturing your curiosity, continue your exploration, and until next time, keep embracing the marvels of the geological world. <laughs>